Yeah, well, it's, I had to change what I was going to speak on this morning. Um, I can't remember what I was going to speak on now, but we're, we're now going in a different direction. And uh, I think Chad has led it so well in terms of leading you guys through it this morning as, a, as the lead elder of this congregation. Just great standing back and watching the elders and everyone just contributing. Thanks to the TMT guys for being here. Um, great having you guys and what you're doing. And it's just amazing what God's done in George. And, and I, we need to pray for a new building. Buildings are just tools. They're just there to serve us. And not, we don't worship them, but we want to we grow. Not for raise our name, but to raise Jesus' name. People need to come into the kingdom. They mentioned 3,000 were added in that day. Somebody must have counted. And uh, it's just exciting. We want to see people, George, getting rocked for Jesus. And there's a lot of work to be done. We need all hands on on deck in this time. And uh, yeah, I think it's my third visit with you guys over the, over the years. And um, I think, David, where are you? David Ackerman, I, are you still here? There you are again. I'm shame, my poor guy. I'm focusing so much on you. I saw him in the camp coming in here, but, and I encouraged you, and I hope I encouraged you with some words, but I'm really feeling the Lord saying, you need to lead these people. You need to be at the front. And that's your position. God's called you there. And you need to prepare and get ready for that and present yourself. And you've been, yeah, just watch out for distractions. I want to just bring a, you know, Paul, when he's in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 20, he, he called the elders to come and see him from Ephesus. And he said, I warned you day and night for two years. But I'm sure he encouraged them as well. But he said, I warned you and I presented you the whole gospel. And I feel in some ways, even in this time of mourning today, that there is a sense of, of a warning that needs to come through in terms of walking and running your race. Every one of you. Every one of you. As a pastor, um, for the last 21 years I've been a pastor. I was 24 years in business. And um, I've sat with many people as they've died. You know, I've been in the hospital when a, 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 a mother's lost her 18-year-old child. And you hear the cry of a mother. You'll never forget that cry. I've been in many situations. I've done funerals for young people, committed suicide and all sorts of things. You never get over that. You never, you don't. I sat with my GP the other day and he, whenever I go there, he always wants to talk about his life. And he's, he sat back in his chair and he said, how do you handle, he's trying to relate help. He wanted help for him because he's got to deal medically with people dying and, and we do in the same. And, uh, you know, he wanted to talk about it. Like, walk me through and, and, uh, and we chatted for a time. And I remember when COVID first hits this country, um, a very good friend of mine is a doctor. He's actually a specialist. And, and, uh, and they've just been presented with statistics from a big medical organization. I won't name names. And they said, expect 500,000 deaths in South Africa. And he, he messaged me. He said, I can't do this. I've got young children. I'm going home. I can't do this. I said, you've got to get back in the fight. We need you. You've got to be there. And that's what I felt to share in fact, that wasn't what I was going to share, but now do during the worship, I'm just feeling prophetically to guard yourselves, young people, where you're all sitting over here somewhere, eh? Um, guard yourselves in this time. And I've seen a good friend of mine throw the Bible down in my face on the floor and say, and he's, after his wife died and says a bunch of fairy tales, this Bible. He had been in leadership and he's, he, thankfully he's back with the Lord now and he's serving God and he's got remarried. But there's a testing time. And there's, uh, Jesus said to Peter, you know, Peter... Peter was going to um, turn away from him uh, and, and disappoint him. He said, Peter, after you've turned back, strengthen your brothers. 
So allow yourselves to grieve, really. God gives us, the, gives us emotions. We're not led by emotions, but we have got emotions. And, they, and don't, don't short-circuit the grieving process. Don't just man up or woman up and, you know, I'm just going to push through. God's given you emotions to deal with these things and to process them. So allow yourself to grieve. Allow yourself to mourn. Paul says, mourn with those who mourn. So it's a very necessary process to go through and for God to bring healing in us. But at the same time, our focus is, and this morning I wanted to speak about lift up your eyes. You know, Church, lift up your eyes. Um, in 100 years' time, we're all going to be gone, all of us. We'll all be up this, at this church. Just imagine this church continues. There'll be, be a hundred new, you know, hundreds of new people sitting in this building in 100 years' time. Uh, um, so life is fleeting. We're just passing through this life. And there will be, as Chad has emphasized this morning, uh, Casey is with the Lord, man. I'm jealous. When, my own, when, all these, when guys die, I'm actually, I'm actually jealous. I want to be where they are. You know, we've got to get up in the morning. We've got to experience hot and cold and pain and suffering and, and disappointments and emotions. And they don't have that, you know. And it's us who's got to walk through and continue in the strength and the power of God this morning and continue because there's work to be done. We can't allow ourselves to be uh, affected by this. We've got, to, we've got to keep in the fight. And, you know, you can, I think it's clear that I'm a little bit older than quite a, most of the people here. And I've been serving the Lord for 42 years now. And I've watched so many people give up the fight. And I want to encourage you this morning, lift up your eyes. Can we put up that scripture, please? Psalm 121, 1 and 2. Um, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. I lift up my eyes, and I feel the Lord saying to you this morning, George, congregation, lift up your eyes. Keep your eyes fixed on the Lord Jesus. He will bring you through this time. He will carry you through only in His power and His grace and His mercy. And He will bring you into a, into a, a pleasant place and a good place again. And so stand together. Watch each other in this time. Keep each other, hold each other accounts. And uh, because this is a vulnerable moment for some folk, you know. So... Please hold each other to account and, uh, and keep your, really, turn to the Lord. You're going to grow. Some of you are going to grow in your relationship with God in this time. You're going to discover what an amazing God you serve. Um, he's an amazing God. And what you sing will become more of a reality in your heart and more of a reality in your life as you, as you walk with Him and journey with Him in this life. Even Jesus had to have something to keep Him to go through what he had to go through. You can put up Hebrews uh, 12, 1 to 3. Um, it says, Therefore, since we're surrounded, such a great cloud of witnesses, and it speaks about the heroes of the faith, uh, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. There's a race marked out for every one of us sitting in this room. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning at shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Is that up to verse 3? Is that it? all the way? Thank you. Um, Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, and and we were, we were chatting with some of the guys last night. We, you know, we went to Israel at the end of 2019. It was our first trip. and most amazing experience. And you go to the Garden of Gethsemane, and you see where 
and it's, it's quite powerful. And you, you read it in your Bible for 40 years and you suddenly see it. It's, it's a really impactful to see where Jesus sweated drops of blood, such that was the anguish that he was going through. In terms of knowing what he had to go and bear, our sin on the cross. And so wonderful to see people responding this morning to the Lord Jesus. And I trust that you, the folk who responded, that you, you throw yourself at the Lord. Throw yourself at him. Give him your all. Give him your heart, everything that belongs to you. If you. Right from the beginning, say, Lord, here I am. Take all of me. And you'll find he's a good God. He's a safe God. He's an incredibly loving and precious God. But for the joy set before him, and, the, and this joy, the, the two things, that, the peace and joy that God promised us, which is beyond our understanding, beyond our comprehension in this life, that we will be a people of peace and joy in the midst of trial and tribulation. And we can be, because he's, he's such a God who will sustain us in, the, in those times. Many years ago, when I was a young man, I was in the military and, and uh, just given my life to the Lord. And we went into the, what they call the operational area. And in, 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 um, and in South Africa, we had times like this where everything was hunky-dory and everybody was happy and you know, the life was easy and the guys would mock me. I mean, I was so on fire for God. I'd never, I'd never read the Bible until I was 21. And I suddenly was just, just read this Bible and the guys would literally mock me in South Africa. And now when you're in an in a, in a operational area, as they called it, a war zone, um, where guns are going off and bodies are starting to come in. And, um, and suddenly the guys started gathering around my bed. And they wanted to know about this peace and this joy that I had. And uh, because it's beyond, beyond comprehension, it's beyond understanding. It's, who is this God? How come he sets us so free? How come he puts something? He said he'll come live inside of us. Everyone sitting there, if you're filled with the Spirit, if you're born again and you know the Lord Jesus, he's living inside of you. Wherever you put your foot, you take God with you. And he enables you to live a holy, beautiful, righteous life before him. You cannot do it in your own strength. You're going to fail miserably. You're going to get depressed. You're going to get disappointed. You're going to end up on pills and drugs, and there's nothing wrong with stuff in many situations and instances, but really we should go to the Lord Jesus first and say, Lord, fill me, sustain me, carry me, put your joy in, in, my, in my heart. And God listens to your prayers. He wants, you know, his, his ears are attentive to the prayers of the righteous. And if you know the Lord Jesus this morning, you're in, which means you're in right standing with him, that's what the righteous means. Means you're in right standing with God. Jesus said, I came that you might know the Father. And that's an intimate knowing, not just know the Father intellectually, but to know the Father. Before we couldn't have a relationship with God the Father. Now, because of Jesus, we can. And we can experience everything that Jesus experienced in terms of that joy that he in his heart. Supernatural joy in every situation. In, um, in John 16 33, Jesus, Jesus didn't mince his words. He didn't. Beat about the bush. I've told you these things so that in, in me you may have peace. In this world, you will, not might, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. And what does overcome mean? It doesn't mean all your problems go away and everything is sorted out. And, and all this, you know, the, the average pastor in, in China spends 18 years in jail. You know, is, is that sort of uh, glorious living? Most of the things see it as failure and things have gone wrong and you must be doing something wrong. But they are so joyful and, and counted a privilege to be persecuted for the name of Jesus. There's a walk that God wants us to walk that is so different to this world. Our, our reactions and our responses are so different in this world. I've got to go back now to Cape Town and try and help in a business situation involving millions of rands between leaders in the church, but, um, businessmen, they were partners. And when I've done, I've done so many situations like that. 
And I've sat with business. I remember the one incident a couple of years ago. It also involved many millions of rands. And there were four guys in partnership together. And when you start putting your finger on these things, because 1 Corinthians 6 is don't take these things to the court. Deal with them in the church. So we do. And if I have to get a CA and a lawyer to come help you just understand them, the technicalities of that we do. But in this one meeting that was getting so hot and heated, the guys were getting angry with each other and shouting across the room. And so I said, stop. Everybody stop. Okay, let's go around the room. You. If I rule against you, what will you say? What will you say? What will you say? And the reactions all were, I'll leave this church. I cannot be in the same church as this person. And you think, well, what kind of a family is that? Where does that come from? How do, how do we laugh? We're going to spend eternity together. We're speaking about eternity this morning, but we can't get on here. You know, 1 John 4, 20 says, how can you say you love God vertically? You've never seen. If you can't love man, you can see. No, I just want to worship Jesus. I only trust Jesus. I don't trust man. I've been let down by man. I've been hurt by man. Unbiblical statements, completely contrary to the scripture, and denying the power of God to change us and to become more Christ-like, who hang on the cross, and his persecutors were down there. He said, I could call down legions of angels to take out the whole lot of you. Father, forgive them, because they don't know what they're doing. Our responsibility, no, sort them out, Lord. I've got the power, you know. And so I said to these business guys, okay, so right now, you've got to let this go. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians, rather be wronged. How many of you came here to win? If you came here to win this argument, we've lost already. But if you come in here that I'm prepared to lose, I'm prepared to bless my brother, even though I feel, and if you rule against me, I feel that you, because I did, because everyone feels that the situation was handled wrong. A good lawyer friend of mine said, they know they've had a good case when everybody's unhappy and, and uh, they, they disagree with the verdict and then they know it's right. Sounds crazy, yeah, a contradiction. But, um, but we've got to come to that. This is, this is doing life together. This is, the, the world's looking at us and they say, well, you, you behave just like us. You call in lawyers and you take your brother to court and you sue the pants off him and you take his house and destroy him and, and then you praise Jesus on Sunday morning. I love you, Lord. But you don't live it. And I think God is saying, you know, we're, we've, we, we, we owe nothing in this life. It's all just lent to us. Even our sons and daughters are just lent to us. Our children. I've got three adult sons in their 30s. I've got granddaughters. And there was a time when I started idolizing my granddaughters. They're nine and seven right now. And, and anybody has got granddaughters or even daughters. I had sons. Little girls are so cute, man. Uh, you know, I, just, I wanted just to take them away from this world and kind of hide them away somewhere from the, the hurt that they're going to have to experience. There's going to be school situations where people are going to be horrible to them, and there's going to be things of disappointments, and you just, you just want to protect them. You know, I'm a mercy pastor type of guy, and, and I realize I can't do that. God's grace is sufficient on their lives to carry them through even in this life. And I had to, there was a time when they were becoming idols in my life. And we see it in the modern parental generation where children, people order their lives around their children and their sport and their activities. And, and it's, are children good? Of course they're good. They're a blessing. Man. It's wonderful. But when they become idols in your life, then you've got a problem. God and His ways. Oops. I don't normally use this iPad thing, but uh, it's switching itself off. Here we go. In this life, you will have trouble. Think. But take heart, I've overcome the world. So, you know, next week I'm preaching in City Bowl, and they've asked me to come. Uh, Daniel's brother, there's Daniel over there, he, he did the altar call now the, for salvation. And his brother asked, leads that congress, says, come and teach my guys to be robust and strong in, in the Lord. 
because we've got to be robust. We've got to be strong. There are going to be a lot of tough times in this life. Things are going to happen. And how will we look as the body of Christ? How, how many of us will come through the flames? How many of us will come through the hardship still shining for Jesus? Not always understanding. I don't have all the answers. When people die on that, you know, Chad made reference to my, he was like a son to me, Mono van der Merve. He was a Stormers rugby player. He played with Jonah Lamu in New Zealand. He was six foot wide and six foot high. Um, you didn't want to mess with him, let me tell you. He was 150 kilograms and there was no fat. Um, he was like a son to me, and I watched him die of a two-year period, you know. And his boys, when I stood by his bedside, I said, Mona, you can go. Because I could see he was hanging on for his boys. I said, Mona, you can go. We'll, we'll look after your boys. We'll raise them for you. And I did today. Joshua's 17. He's turning 18 of the year, and Matthew's 15. And I've been there for them. I've, I'm, I'm, I see them all the time. They're my, my adopted grandchildren. And I, I, I do life with them. And um, the 15-year-old weighs 105 kilos. Um, he gives me his old jackets. Uh, he did the other day, two jackets I got from him, 15-year-old. They take his birth certificate to the rugby matches because uh, no one believes that he's 15. Um, but we, you know, we're called to do life together and to, and to shine Jesus in the way we li to live in this life. And to accept that there will be hardship, that there will be trouble, but we don't focus on it. We don't go over and, you know, we just understand that we've got an enemy, we've got a devil. There is a devil that's in this world. He's called the prince of this world. He's got temporary power, limited power. His power is broken at the cross, but he has got some influence still in this world. One day, uh, Nicolene read the scripture this morning down in the prayer time, you know, that in, in, or someone read it, but Rev, no, it might have been Bob, you, you mentioned, there'll be wipe away every tear. There'll be no more pain in heaven, no more suffering in heaven. That will all have passed away. It's all just temporary. All what we're experiencing right now is temporary. We are spiritual beings having a, um, a temporary physical experience. We do have a soul, which is our mind, our emotions, our will. And the seat of our will, God wants to know that he's got that in his hand. When you get born again, has Jesus really got your life? Has he got all of you? Uh, William Booth, who started the Salvation Army, who was an amazing movement of God in the 1800s in London and then in America, and they were powerful uh, a movement. And when he was an old man, how's this for his wife? His wife died in her 60s, I think it was. And, um, and she, she said to him, this for a servant heart and a, a loving heart, this stands out for me. She said she died of breast cancer. And I'm sure in those days they never had modern medication like we've got today to alleviate the pain. And she said, my only regret, to, says to her husband, my only regret is I won't be here to nurse you when you die. Hey, what a godly woman. It wasn't all about me and what's happening to me and the pain. And ah, I can't serve you, my husband. I just want to love you and serve you. And I can't do that. And they also interviewed William Booth as he was a really old man in his 80s, 90s. And they said, how come you've been so effective for God in your lifetime? He said, there's one reason only. God got all of William Booth. And that's, that just struck me and said, Lord, has God got all of Russell Fraser? You know, I weigh, I weigh my life against the word of God, not in a guilt-ridden way, but, I, you know, I shared with the leaders of the night, and I'm milking this experience because I, I've paid a high price for it. I almost died twice in the last year and a half, beginning of last year uh, with covid and when the doctor tells you you're on your deathbed and the nurse says, welcome to the COVID ward, you might be going home to see Jesus tonight, you know, they're taking it seriously, so you better take it seriously. And so I actually left this world in my heart. I had to sort of re-enter this life. So I had a time when I had to reflect and say, Lord, am I ready to see you? 
I have you got all of me? And so coming out of that experience, and in, in June this year, I had an operation for cancer, parts cut out of my body. And uh, also, the guy said, if you don't operate in three months, we don't know what will happen after that. So I've been operated on twice, uh, well, once, but I've had two uh, challenges this in the last. And I just realized, Lord, have you got all of me? Really, at this stage of my life, and having gone through those experiences, and um, have you got my whole heart, Lord? Can, does everything belong to you? My finances, my, all the possessions. I've always, my wife will tell you, I've always lived with eternity in mind. From day one when I got saved, born again, uh, age 21, I had to finish one more year in the, in the defense force. And then I went to Bible college, sold everything I had. And I went to Bible college, said, Lord, I'm just, I was just so hungry for God. And I, and I thank God I haven't lost that passion in 42 years. I've never gone back and said, well, let me just relax a bit. Let me just focus on my career. And I had a wonderful career at the time. Uh, when I came into full-time ministry 21 years ago, I mean, Total, the French Petroleum Company, I see some of the service stations around here. I was in the chemical division, a factory manager. And they sent, give me a letter saying, hey, go to Cape Town for a year and a half. I was based in Durban at the time. And then Europe for two years and then back to Durban and oversee all the factories in South Africa. You know, in this world, that would be wonderful. I've still got that letter in my office. But God just tore it up. He just got me to Cape Town. I met Andrew Selly after being in Cape Town. And Josh Jen was 15 people then. We're now, I don't know, four to six, between four and 6,000 people. I've lost track. Not keeping, but it's just growing because God is adding. And we, the kingdom is advancing. And we need every, every person hands on deck. These two young ladies here, yellow jersey and the green. You were worshiping up here. I noticed you on Thursday night as well. I really feel the Lord just identified you as woman who's going to be powerful in God. You really are. There's a passion that you have in your hearts, and don't let it die. Please, I beg you, um, fire for God. Keep, keep your eyes all the way right to the end, okay? Because I think God really wants to use you. I think it's something on your life. There's an anointing on your life. And um, pre present yourselves continuously the way you do. Uh, it's just very, very encouraging to see your love for the Lord. And there's many others. Uh, I wish I could identify so many other people here as well. Because... Um, I step back a little bit. Normally, I don't want to hang out with Chad and the elders as we're leading the meeting. But sometimes I, when I come into town, I like just to step back and see, Lord, what are you doing here? What's happening? How are we doing? This is, what's the passion like? What's the, the real? Show me the real heart of this congregation. Because we can have wonderful worship. We've got incredible Noah. Um, we had breakfast. Noah and I had breakfast yesterday morning. We've got amazing, skilled people. Um, but I want to see you guys, in, if I'm still around, 20 years' time. Still on fire, still burning for God the way you are. Um, there's no reason why you shouldn't. The joy is set before you. Enjoy, endure this life. But you've got to get your feet on, the, on Jesus completely. Sorry, that doesn't sound so good, eh? Uh, on the rock. You've got to have, stand on the rock of who Christ is and the revelation of who he is. So that you will go all the way to the end. You will get temptations. And a lot of them won't be bad looking. They'll present well. Because the Bible says the devil can appear as an angel of light. My career path could have been something that took me off the journey that I was in in Christ. The, the Bible says there's a road marked out for every one of us. Picture that right now. Visualize that you've got a road marked out in Jesus for you. Individually, every one of you, but we've all called to bring it corporately together and present your lives as living sacrifices. We're not called to live this life individualistically. It's my walk with God, and what can this church do for me? If the worship's not good, I'm going to go and find another church. They don't have good coffee, good kids' facilities. This is a bit of a tough situation right now. It's a bit crowded. How many of you still keep coming, even though it's crowded? If you've got to sit on the floor, how many of you still keep coming? Because Jesus is here. 
Not the building, not the comfort. You know, well, where's my comfortable chair? One of the best pictures I've ever seen happened about two months ago. We just bought a new building in, in, for City Bowl Congregation in Woodstock. And at the first, at the sort of the opening meeting, Andrew Selly leads Josh Chen, and he leads 412. In the world's eyes, that would be seen as quite a prestigious and high position. But there was a picture. The place was so full, Andrew sat on the floor. I saw a picture of that. As a leader, he should have the seat of honor. You, you're the reason why we've bought this build. Not you, it's all about Jesus, obviously, but, but you led us here. You're the leader. You should have the, the seat of honor. He's, he's a picture of him sitting on the floor because there weren't enough chairs. Hey? Jesus said you become servants of all. Be servant leaders. Servant leaders. We came in, I know for a lot of us, we paid a price to be in leadership, and we're not trying to be heroes or pity, you know, self-pity in any way, but we paid a serious price to come and serve God's people financially and promotionally and all these things. My salary went down to about 20% of what I was earning. I had to scratch around, and I ended up, I was driving an E-class Mercedes, I ended up driving a Golf 1, you know, I don't even know what the, if you know even what those are anymore, they're like little skin, it's like your car, like a little red, little red Golf, yeah, a silly Golf thing with the skinny tires and, and uh, wind-up windows, you know, I didn't think I had in common with the Mercedes, it's made in Germany, and, um, but you know what, for the kingdom, who cares, man, I'm a car guy, you can tell, I enjoy cars, and, uh, but I just said, Lord, for your sake, who cares, you know, what car you drive or what you have or house you have. Um, you know, yeah, the joy set before him. It, about, I was just sharing with the leaders on Thursday morning. Uh, we met in Mossel Bay with the, the lead elders in the area. And about four years ago, now Dermville's about to move into the congregation that I led for 10 years. And we handed it over a year ago. Um, but for, for 12 years, we've been, I've been, going for this piece of land. We bought this land, an incredible piece of land. We got an amazing price. Then we had no money to build. And then we went away as, as elders with Andrew, a couple of us, in the beginning of January, and about four years ago. And Andrew said, you know what? Uh, we haven't got enough money to build this building. We've got the land, but we've got no money for the building. And um, we just, you know, we poured money into Mossel Bay building. And, and he turned to me sitting there, and he said, Russell Durnville, you're on your own. Can you guys do, run with this on your own? I remember Mornay turning to me and saying, Russell, have you got the faith for this? So, you know, first a bit stunned. Like, this is like quite a lot of money you're talking about. And so I said, I'll find the faith for it. Then the Lord spoke to me. And, and we lost a house in business, paid off house. It was, and, um, and when we came to Cape Town at the age of 40, we had to start all over again and buy a house from, from scratch at the age of 40. So obviously now we're nearly finished paying off this house, second house. We're finally getting there. It's not a fancy house. It's very modest. And um, the Lord said, would, uh, would you go and live in a caravan and sell your house, so buy this building? It's just a building. You know, come on, who cares about a building? But I visualized one person putting their hand up in that meeting because people in our country come to buildings. They don't go, if you're going to start a church on the tree, go for it, you know. You're not going to see a lot of... It's just the culture we have, people come seeking God. They know when pe God's people are gathered. The, the Bible says they met in temples, uh, synagogues, and they went house to house as well. And I, I could visualize one person getting saved because they came looking for God in that building. Obviously, it's in the people, not the building. And I said, Lord, I'll live in a caravan. After I, I, I took myself right to the bottom. I said, I'll, go, I'll cut everything to the bottom and we'll sell our house and put all that money in 
to build that building, it wouldn't be enough, but it would be a start. It would help. And then, thankfully, the Lord did send a very wealthy man who paid for the whole building virtually himself. Um, but I just, I just realized, Lloyd, for the joy set before me, I will endure that, really. It will be uncomfortable. Jenny hates caravanning. Um, she twitches at the thought of it. But for the sake of the kingdom, for the joy set before me, Lord, I'll do that. If I've got to lead, if I've got to be, the Bible says, Hebrews 13, 7, 7 says, imitate your leader's faith. And say, Lord, I, I'm a, I haven't got the faith for right now, but Lord, give me the faith for it. I'm, I feel weak. It doesn't appeal to me too much. You know, a caravan would be great for a month, but after that, I'm not so sure. Um, I know many people in this country live in far worse circumstances even than that. But for the joy set before me, would it be prepared to do that? And then 1 Peter 2, verse 9 to 12. Remember this. But you're a chosen people. That's you. God's referring to you. A royal priesthood. Royal. A holy nation. A people belonging to God. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. We call to live our lives like aliens here. This is not our world. If you're born again, if you say, I'm born again Christian, you belong to a, a living God. You belong to another family, a supernatural spirit family. And you're just passing through this earth. And one of the worst things the devil can do is to sidetrack God's people and get them just to live mushy, middle road, soggy suburbia lives. And God says, no, there's more than that. And I want to stir you up for more. I want you to lift your eyes up this morning. Lift your eyes up to where your help comes from. We serve an amazing God. Let Casey not have died in vain in a sense, we can say. There's a stirring right now. There's an emotion happening here. And we're not, I'm not trying to preach on emotion. I don't want to manipulate you through emotions. But we were, we were in Joburg this year, and we met a man. He's the brother-in-law of the guy, the leader of church in Bryanston. And his little boy was run over at the age of five by a lorry. And he said it was a life for a life. He said, I came to know Jesus through that. So my boy died so that I could live. Brought me to the Lord. So let this not be a moment wasted in what God's doing. It is focused, refocusing on this morning. Because we're all aware, and I've, I've done so many funerals, and when you do funerals and memorials, everybody's suddenly very soft, and there's a window period where, where people are soft before God. Like they all start weighing up their own lives. It could be me. What if it's me tonight? Approximately 300,000 people will wake up today, and tonight they'll be in eternity. They had no, most of them would have no idea that would happen. And we always think, when I, when I got cancer, I, I, th- I was like shocked. And that happens to other people. It doesn't happen to me. I, I, I go to ICU and visit people and pray for guys. And I'm there. Now it's on my doorstep. This is like, and you always think it's somebody else. It's going to happen out there. And, and all of us, in understanding, what happened? Oh, we got a bird. Okay. If only it was white. <laughs> okay, focus. Don't focus on the bird. 
just panicking a bit. Let's keep focused. Let's keep focused. I really believe this is a moment in God right now where the Lord's just wanting to redirect our hearts back to Him. Often we have realignment moments where we just have to realign back onto God and say, Lord, I might have drifted a little bit. I might have just changed my way. And it's out. That it's gone. Well done, guys. Close it all. <laughs> You've done this before. <laughs> We're aliens. We're just passing through that. Get that in your mind. Get that in your spirit, your understanding. Don't, don't settle in this life. Don't settle. Before you know it, you'll be standing before Him. And the Bible says everybody's given an account of their life before God. You're all going to stand before God and you give an account. And you mustn't just squeak in. You mustn't just squeak and say, well, I, I made it. That's all I need, just my ticket to get there. I don't care about the rest. No, you should care because Jesus said... Um, to, when he gave out talents, he said those who didn't use their talents, he called them wicked and lazy servants. And he took away their gifting and he cast them out. Because God's distributed gifts here. Every one of you is a gift to the body of Christ. You're his body. He's the head. Jesus is the head. We're his body. If we don't present our gift, we don't, which is our life, really, say, Lord Jesus, here I am. And the way to do that is through God's given us leaders. You know, Paul said, go and appoint elders in every town, every church. So the reason elders are here is to serve us and lead God's people to where the church needs to go. And if they can't go take you forward into battle if you're not there. If you're busy somewhere else, you know, Lord, I've just got to go and check my oxen. I've just got to go and check my field. I've just got to bury my father. These are all good things. But God says, no, present your life and trust in you know, the leadership that we raise up and, and appoint are people we, we trust. And love is, love is a, a trust is a choice that you make. 1 Corinthians 13 says love always trusts. If you've been burnt and hurt by leadership and been in churches, and it's inevitable you're going to get hurt. I've been hurt. If you haven't been hurt by somebody in leadership or authority, well, you're amazing. Because everyone's going to find things difficult at some stage. But find a place, find leaders, say, look, Lord, you've raised up Chad and the other elders to lead us. I trust them. In all his weakness, I know Chad's got weaknesses. Of course he has. He knows he has. But he's a godly man. He loves the Lord. I've stayed in his home many times. I've seen the way he raised his family, the way he loves his wife and cares. He's a godly man, a man you can trust. I've seen him behind the scenes. You, know, you, you are who you are when you close that door at home, not when you stand here in church on Sunday. The best compliment I ever got, one of my boys said to Jenny, Dad's the same on Sunday as at, as at home. I was a man, oh, thank you. Because, you know, there were teenagers in, and they can be quite harsh with you. Um, <laughs> let's, let's be those who serve the Lord Jesus this morning with all our hearts. You're going to add um, I, I think this fits in here, so that's why I'm interrupting my husband. I don't often do this. Um, but I, something, um, actually for you, Noah, I felt like today you took a step into manhood because in the toughest of circumstances you took responsibility and that's what a man does and you led us in worship masterfully and I just want to say well done well done um, and I feel like besides him like you guys all responded beautifully in worship and this church is known for being those that jump high and have a lot of enthusiasm but in, in this hardest of times it's, it's almost like the church is, it's, it's a growing up time where you're taking responsibility, you're making choices where 
he could have just crumpled in a heap and cried. He could have said, Dad, I can't do this today. But, but Noah stepped up and he led us. And I think for all of you, you know, this is a, as a church, it's a time to be grown-ups. You know. There's a lot of people I think God's identifying and raising up. And I'll chat to Chad about some of the guys I feel um, <laughs> that God's raising up in this time, this generation. This is actually quite a rich congregation in terms of leadership. Um, and some of you, and some of the older folk here, I don't know you, and um, I'd encourage you, stay in the race. Stay in the race. We need you, desperately. Because you find older folks start dialing out, you know, let the young guys come through. Because they've got more energy and they, they appear to be they're a little bit pushy here and there. Um, I had someone send me a message yesterday, you know, saying, can you ask the young guys just to take it easy? When, run, 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 and when they run to the front, they knock all the old people over. Um, <laughs> Yeah, let's all people run. Zimmer frames. Yeah. <laughs> Use them, Zimmer frames. Yeah. No, but all the folk, we seriously need you guys. You know, if you've been hurt by church, hurt by leadership, get over it. Get healed. It may sound glib. Sorry if I sound so glib and cliche to saying it like that. And you say, well, what do you know? I've been there, done that. I've dealt with people, thousands of people over the years. I've seen all the guys getting hurt and and it's so sad to see people going to go into eternity with, with unused gifts. And they same for the Lord Jesus. And the Lord said, I needed you and I had to find someone else. I'm someone else, by the way. There were other guys who, who ahead of me have far better gifts than I've got. And I think I'm walk, I've got other people's gifts. Because he said he takes away and he gives to those who are using their gifts. And I'm, I'm very ordinary. I'm, very, I'm sorry, below average in gifting. And uh, I, I, just because I'm faithful and I persevere, I will not let go of God. And I'm only standing, I will lead God's people if I have to, because they need to be led. You know, I, 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 there's something else, there's a passion in me to see God's, and it's, it's just God's heart I'm expressing, it's not my heart, it's God's heart, that He wants His people powering into eternity. If you've only got one year left on this planet and you're an older guy, man, get back on the saddle and fight, get back in the fight. We got to, we're, we're at war. This is a war for us, not for our physical bodies. When I, when I lay in the ICU and I had, they, they were so desperate, they had to put me between two women. I was in the doorway. Um, I had no curtains and stuff, no frills and fancies. And there were two ladies, they were both in, in a coma, young ladies. And I didn't, and I prayed for them. Once I, I realized I'm sorry, gonna, I'm going to live, um, I said, Lord, I want to pray for these people in this whole, in the whole the special ICU ward that set up for COVID people who are dying. And, and uh, I said, Lord, I want to pray for these two ladies. Not for their physical healing, but Lord, that they would know you. I don't know their spiritual condition. Lord, I'm waging warfare for them. Because we're, we're at war. The Bible says we're against principalities and powers. And those things we want to neutralize and, and get God's people just to plod along through life. Just accept a little average Christian life. We're not called to be average. We're called to be those who are history makers, those who take the kingdom of God by storm. Now, I am a pastor, so I'm, I know there's hurting people here. I know there's people burnt out. Please, I'm not trying to burn you out even more, okay? We'll, we are a hospital as well. We know that. I'm just trying to just give a general rally as a church. Don't allow yourself to stay in hospital. Fight your way out. Not in your own strength, but turn to your brothers, sisters if need be. But most of all, obviously, turn to God. But the expression of God will come through His people. He loves through His people. That's the expression. That's how we discover Him. You want to say something? I felt like almost in that, some of you might be going, well, what does that mean? Like, and I just felt like 
like, like where do we, where do we, where do we, where do we use our gift? Like the worship team is full, or there's like too many other people in the kids' church. Like, what does that mean? You're waiting for Chad to give me an instruction, kind of thing. I felt the Lord just say, "All I want you to do is love my sheep, love my people. No greater love has a man than he lays life down for his brother." I felt the Lord prompting you to lay your life down for your neighbor and for your brother. There are many of us sitting here who don't know the person sitting next to us. We come to church on a Sunday, we go home, and we live in our castles, and we live in this little place that's ours. This is our little home. I felt the Lord encouraging you to open your home and love on the bride. Invite people into your space. Invite them to, to, to have a meal with you or to share. Share your lives with one another. That is how you can be a gift to the body. And then the second thing I felt as well is, is something that, the word that came during the prophetic time, is, uh, the worship, is, is we need to be sharing the gospel. We have a responsibility to be going out there and sharing the gospel. There are many young men and women that might go to hell because they never had someone like you or me go and share the gospel with them. We have a responsibility. We, we need to do it, guys. We need to do it. Very good. And it's actually quite simple, I've, my, my, one of my big, best stories of when you preach, you tell all your best stories. And, um, but one of them was a simple thing when I was in business, sharing the gospel, because guys will think, most people freeze up and, you know, the, the thought of knocking on doors or something like that is terrifying. But it's actually more, much simpler and easier than that. People get sick, people get, people, things happen to people, and just to be available, just ask people, can I pray for you? Um, I remember going, my, my, one of my great stories, see this, this one business friend, uh, he was a customer, and he had a minor operation, so I went to go and see him in the hospital. And he said, why are you here? He's like, he was stunned. Like, what are you doing here? You know, we just got like a business relationship. I said, no, I just came to see how you're doing, and can I pray for you, and that type of thing. And, and because of that, it built a bridge. He opened his heart. And then he'd come and sit at my work and just start sharing about his life. And so I, so I said, hey, tell you what, why don't you come with me to church one Sunday? You know? so he said, okay. So he picked me up Sunday night, so I did. So I pick him up, and he's a big guy. His name was Sean van Lachrenburg, and he, was, he says, this is Durban. And so he says, look, I'm Afrikaans. I hope it's not one of these happy, clappy churches, eh? <laughs> so I said, well, yeah, it could be. Um, so, <laughs> so, you know, you get there, and you're very, you're very self-conscious now. Of your, you're sitting at the back, and uh, sitting next to this guy, and you suddenly notice like how weird Chad would be or something like that, you know, how different the leader is. And, and you know, you, we normally just absorb it and, oh, it's Chad. And, but suddenly now you've got this guy and you're looking through his eyes. And, uh, and, and, the, and that night, the worship leader went ballistic. He ran down the thing playing his flute and ran around the building. And this guy's like, what is going on here? You know? um, and then they called new members to the front. He says to me, I can never go to the front of a church like that. I'm like, yeah, this is like a... Get us out of here, you know. And then the, when the lead elder gives, like, he wants to give your life to Jesus, this guy, boing, gets up and he goes down, all on his own. And then, and then the lead elder turns him around, he, and he's after he said, I don't know why I did that. He makes the guy face everybody on his own. Look at the whole church, you know. Um, but he got wonderfully saved and born again, just through reaching out through a business thing. So that, that's how easy it is. It's not difficult. Sean is with the Lord now as well. He was a robbery, and guys came in and shot him and killed him 10 years later. But... If I hadn't, what if I hadn't done that? You know, I'm not saying I'm the only one who could have led him to the Lord, but it's just, you know, you realize you, you've got opportunities to reach people in the Lord Jesus. So let's stand and let's just open our hearts. I know it's been a long morning and a lot of emotions flowing, but 
I love it just to, just to leave a challenge with you in terms of your walk with the Lord Jesus. Does he hear? Oh, can you say like William Booth? God got all of you. He got all of you. And don't measure it against your standard. Measure it against the standard of the Lord Jesus where he gave his all. He surrendered all. And so when, can we sing a song like that? Have you, I surrender all or something like that. I'm not, I'm not a musician, but putting you under pressure here. Something along those lines. Yeah, just one, a, a song of commitment to God and saying, Lord, I'm here. And if, if you're not prepared to do it, don't do it, okay? Don't do it. This is a serious thing, actually. Don't, don't be, you know, the Bible says, um, I'm sorry, the scripture just jumped in my head, where he doesn't like it if people just make promises and they don't follow through. I'm paraphrasing. So if you're not prepared to say, I surrender all, don't say it rather. Rather, just live the life, because the Lord looks at our hearts. He takes us by our words. With your mouth, you confess the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord. That's how we get born again. We believe in our hearts. It's a faith active, our faith is activated. We believe in who He is, and we confess it with our mouths. Those who surrender their lives to Jesus this morning, I'd encourage you to tell someone that you gave your life to Jesus. Very powerful. Almost like you, you like almost cross a line then of confession of who you are. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. Retief, well done, man. Well done for just being you and just walking through this life and fighting through the battles that you fought and you're still standing here. You're a, no, that's, that's amazing, really. Will you do that, folks? Let's take this moment seriously. It's not just another meeting. Every meeting should be a, a special time in God and a, a time of, of going deeper in God and growing in Him. We're not just trying to have meetings and Sunday meetings and just times. But these are times of growth. These are times of of drawing closer to God, of, of growing in our maturity and our understanding and our knowledge of Him. He loves you. Oh, how He loves you.